We are looking at uh, the first biblical value that uh, I've been leading up to for the last three years. And we're going to look at trusting God. Trusting God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Hopefully you've turned there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verses... um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So we should, I mean, that's kind of a, I hate this phrase, but that's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, here we are, believers in Jesus Christ, we read our Bibles, and you would think that we would understand that, you know, the trusting God is, is, is important. We trust, we trust in God the Father, we trust in, in God the Son, you know, we, we just, that's what we do, we just, we trust in God. And we trust in God because the Bible says we can. Romans eight thirty one to 32 what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, you know, we're taught in God's word that we are to trust him. In fact, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he said in John 14, 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe also in me. And even, uh, stop and think about it. I mean, um, do you want to live your life that is pleasing to God? Is that is that an aspiration you have, a desire you to have, is to live my life pleasing to God? Well, guess what Hebrews 11.6 says? It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God, then you live a life with this uh, trusting God as as what you do. As a, as a, what does Brian say? It's part of our spiritual DNA. Uh, but let me ask you a question: Is it always easy no. to trust in God? No. no, it's not, is it? No, it's it's not, huh? Easier said than done. Thank you very much. It is. You're absolutely right. It is. It's easier said than done. Uh, you know the prophet. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Habakkuk. How would you like to have that name? The prophet Habakkuk. Um, he lived during a time when wickedness and and violence and you know corruption in the government and corruption in the priesthood just seemed to be having the upper hand. It seemed like that uh, the wickedness and corruption was overpowering the righteous. And from the prophet's perspective, he thought, well, God, why are you so indifferent to this wickedness? You know, why aren't you doing something about this, this corruption? What is, what is going on, Lord? And uh, if you read through the book of Habakkuk, you're going to find out that, and God does this a lot, God never gave Habakkuk an explanation to why uh, this wickedness and, the, and this corruption seemed to be so prevalent in his day. You know, and sometimes <clears throat> explanations about things, they sometimes aren't always encouraging either, are they? I mean, somebody can explain why things are going on like they are today in our own government, but does that encourage you? 
No, not necessarily. So God didn't really give Habakkuk any kind of explanation, but what God did, he gave Habakkuk what Habakkuk needed. And what Habakkuk needed was a fresh, a fresh revelation of God himself. He needed a, a renewed perspective about, about the Lord and his righteous character. And that even though wickedness may appear to have the upper hand, um, and you can't see God at work, because sometimes we can't, God showed Habakkuk, hey, I'm still on the throne, I'm still holy, and I'm going to take care of this. Sometimes we need that reminder or renewal or refreshing. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. That's talking about the prideful, the corrupt, the wicked. And then this is what he learned. But the just shall live by his faith. Trust God. Trust God. The lesson the prophet came to learn was that the life lived by faith doesn't live according to explanations, but according to faith in God's word, in his promises, in God's character. That's where our faith should rest. That's where our faith should rest. Because sometimes we don't like the explanations. Or sometimes the explanations just don't make any sense. That's where we need to trust in God. Trust in God. You know, this phrase in Habakkuk is found three times in the New Testament. In Romans 1.17 it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the emphasis is upon the just. Galatians 3.11, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. There the emphasis is by faith. Because that's what was going on in Galatians. They were attacking their faith. And then finally, Hebrews 10.38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. There the emphasis is on shall live. So it covers the whole thing. We're justified justified by faith. We're to stand firm in our faith. And we are to live by our faith. So we trust God. We trust God. I'm even going to far as say this. Faith in the Lord is the foundational spiritual principle of your walk with God. That is the primary, number one, biblical value in your relationship with God. That covers your life from the moment you were saved to the moment you are glorified. That's what we stand on. That's our foundation. That's our rock. We have trust issues with the Lord simply because we don't choose to believe what he has said. When it boils down to it, that's exactly what it comes down to. We have trust issues with God because we either don't believe what he said or we have a misunderstanding about his character. I mean, that was the issue from the very beginning. 
That was, a, that was the issue with our first parents, Adam and Eve. They had a trust issue. They didn't believe what God said. Remember what the devil said to Eve? Yea, hath God said. That's where she tripped up. That's where she tripped up. That's the same hard issue with, with uh, so many people today. Because you know what? We tend to believe what men say rather than what God says. Uh, we tend to, be, uh, to believe our eyeballs <laughs> in our ears, in our senses. We tend to look at our circumstances, be motivated by our fears, our insecurities, our anxieties. We... You know, we, we have a tendency, we have an inclination to, to, to gravitate to, toward those things that are even contrary to God's word. Because, you know, that's part of our nature. That's just part of our nature. We're still tripped up on that, yea, hath God said bit. James 1.6 says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Have you ever asked anything of God but yet wavered in your heart when you asked it? He says, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Honestly, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's, let's be real before God. We all waver in our faith. We all do. That doesn't necessarily make us evil or wicked or anything. That makes us human. <laughs> It just does. That is a human condition. That's the human condition. We, we, just, we just waver. Turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And even the best of us, even the best of us will waver in our faith. Even the best of us. Psalm 73, I came across this psalm Years ago, years ago, when I was a brand new believer in the Lord and I was struggling to make ends meet with my family and I was, you know, doing all the right things and I was tithing even when, you know, I didn't know where the next nickel was going to come from to feed my family. You know, I was, I was doing everything that I thought was right to do. But yet I was struggling and then I was looking around me and I was seeing all these people who weren't living for God, and they were doing just fine. Well, I came across, look at Psalm 73. Uh, let's read the first 12 verses. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and there was no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, and neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride cometh about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. 
Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Now notice, he starts out pretty good. He says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. Man, that's, that's a good statement. That's a true statement. He starts out pretty good, but look what follows. But as for, oh, woe is me. But as for me. And then he begins to complain. And he's complaining about, now listen to me, the appearance of success of the wicked. Alright? And how they appear to be getting away with it. And even they're thumbing their prideful noses at God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself in this place? So after he complains about this, then he goes on Verse 13, he says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Well, I butchered that, didn't I? For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He's saying, man, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm keeping my my nose clean, and all I get is grief. I never seem to get ahead. Whatever I try to do, I get criticized for it. People make fun of me for it. I'm always offending somebody. And really, you know, I have little impact on what is going on around me. Have you ever been in that place? I mean, this man was even at the point of throwing his hands in the air and saying, what's the use? What's the use? Psalm 73, 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. What's the use? Why keep trying? Why bother? You ever found yourself in that place? I have. Yes. I have. I sure have. You try your best. You try to see it clean before the Lord and you only have it thrown back in your face. You work hard. You try to be faithful. You try to... You try to raise your kids right and they rebel against you. You try to do things right at work and you get passed over for for promotion or they fire you because they don't like something you said or did I mean here you are you're trying to please God in everything you do and yet you see people around you who could give a flip about God but yet they're they're doing quite well and so that little nagging lie starts worming its way in why bother what's the use Now let's go on. What did this guy find out? Proverbs 73, 17. Let's go 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Then look what he says here in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, 
Then understood I therein, surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought unto desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus was my heart, thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, thou hast holding me by the, my right hand. Now, when he was talking about, I am a beast and I am grieved, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he's, he's thinking, one, he's you know, I'm so sorry I thought ill of God. And then I'm also thinking, this man's a compassionate man, and he's thinking about the fate of the wicked, and he's not happy about, he's grieved over the fate of the wicked. He's not rejoicing over this. Are you grieved over the fate of the wicked? He says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me... But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. What happened here? He started off all gloomy and depressed and I don't get it. What happened here? He got a new perspective, didn't he? He found God. You see, when our perspective on things appear to get out of whack due to our circumstances or due to our situations, let me tell you something. There is nothing like the, a fresh view of the glory of God to turn that attitude around. You feel so much better when you see God. You got that right. But we seem to focus on our circumstances, our situation. We need a fresh view of the glory of God. See, that's where Asaph was. That's where I've been. We focus on the wrong things. Now, what he saw was true. But it wasn't God's truth. Don't miss that. A lot of what we see going on is true, but it's not God's truth. That's what we trust in. That's what we rest in. That's what we got to rest in, because if we don't rest in that, we're going to go crazy. See, Asaph, he was relying on his good works, his strength, his righteousness. But he came to realize where his real strength came from. God. God. I love what he says in verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. When you find yourself in a situation like this, that's what we need to do. 
We need to draw near to God. We need to hang on to Him as tight as we can. You know, this is what the proverb, this is what the writer of Proverbs is trying to teach his son about trusting God. That fundamental value. He says in Proverbs 9, 9 and 10, he says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Remember when I talked about the fear of the Lord, the authority? We've got to trust in that. Proverbs 22, 19 through uh, 21 He says that thy trust may be in the Lord I have made known to thee this day even to thee have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. You know what I have discovered is one of the most powerful testimonies to those who are around you is when they see you go through a trial or through a difficulty like they're going through but yet they see that peace that passes all understanding and they come to you and ask what's going on why do you have peace and I don't what is it that you have that I don't have and Shane you're absolutely right it's easy to trust God when everything is going good but it is essential to trust God when everything is going bad It's essential. You know, um, the world is always preaching contrary to this biblical value of trusting in the Lord and in His Word. Even our own flesh will attempt to convince us that we can't really trust God. Give up. Quit trying. And of course you know the devil. He's adamantly opposed to you trusting in the Lord. And these enemies of our souls, the flesh, the world, and the devil, they're always going to tell you, you cannot trust God. They're always going to tell you that. And I, I can't understand... What, you know, I've got to be careful here. Because this doesn't always apply. But I can't understand why when, when God's people get themselves in a fix, they run to the world for the solution. But they do. Well, my church isn't growing, so let me adopt the world's ways of building a church. The world will always be against this principle of trusting God. And I'm going to stop right there. I could go on a tangent. I don't want to do that. Proverbs 28.25 says, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Now you guys know that I like to look up words in my strong... And I looked up the word proud, here as in proud heart. 
And that word proud means something broad or wide or large, like in a space or a structure. And so I got to digging around on my strongs and I started looking this word up. And this word um, comes from a word that means to enlarge or to make wider. So what this tells me is that the, the proud in heart are those who uh, think they're just too big for their britches. In other words, you know, they're trusting something. And I thought that was interesting because if you look at Jeremiah 51:58, you don't need to turn there, but if you look at Jeremiah 51:58, it says, "Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken and her high gates shall be burned with fire." That word broad walls is the word proud here in Proverbs. And the Babylonians, they they were proud of their city walls. These walls were so wide that they could run chariots back and forth, passing each other on these walls. And they thought that they were invincible behind these walls. They never thought that the Babylonian Empire would come crashing down because of these walls. In fact, we know from reading from Daniel 5, what happened in Daniel 5? What was his name? Um, Belshazzar? Yeah, he had a drunken party. Drank out of the vessels from the temple there in Jerusalem. Because he thought they thought they were secure. But you know what happened? That very night, <laughs> the Persian army marches into the city of Babylon. They didn't have to crash down the gates or, or, or break down. The, you know what they did? They dried up the Euphrates River and walked underneath the walls. Because the river ran right through the, the city. And they walked right underneath these walls and took over Babylon. Took over Babylon. And there are a lot of people today who are trusting in their walls, thinking they're invincible, even even against God. And guess what? God is going to dry up the river and show them those walls mean nothing. They mean nothing. And it says here in Proverbs, He that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Now when you think fat, don't think of the unhealthy, obese, whatever. That's talking about spiritually prospering. I want to be fat in the... I don't want to be fat physically, but I do want to be fat as far as God is concerned. I want to, I want to, I want to be... I want to prosper spiritually. I want to prosper spiritually. And, 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 and the only way you're going to prosper spiritually is trusting God. Trusting God. Matthew 6.33, anybody know what that passage is? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We get that backwards. We get that backwards. 
Psalms 1, 2 through 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he, do, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You want to prosper? You want to be a tree that bears fruit? Trust God. Meditate in his word. Find out what God wants you to do and do it. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 21 through 26 says, My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. He says, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. One could rightly say, that fear is the opposite of faith. That fear is the opposite of faith. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So fear could rightly be said the opposite of faith. Fear and self-preservation can motivate even the best of us to do some pretty wild things. When a person is fearful, they're taking their eyes off of God, and they're, where are their eyes located? On themselves or on their circumstances? And that happens to the best of us. You know, Abraham and Isaac both lied about their wives. Why? Because they were afraid that they were going to die. Because they would see their wives that they were a couple of hotties, and so they were going to kill them for their wives. <coughs> They were motivated by fear. Aaron participated in idolatry with the children of Israel. Why? Because he was afraid of the people. Saul, Israel's first king, he disobeyed and rebelled. Why? Because he was afraid the people would leave him or forsake him. He was fearful. He didn't trust what Samuel said. David played the part of a lunatic. Shamed himself in front of a heathen king because he was afraid he was going to get killed by this king. (laughs) Elijah, after he defeats the uh, prophets of Baal, finds out Jezebel's out to kill him. What does he do? He runs away and hides in a cave. Even the best of us. Not to mention Jesus' disciples running away in the garden or Peter's denial three times. All of that was fear. We're all prone to it. You know what one of the most common exhortations is in the Word of God? Fear not. Because God knows His people. Fear not. Fear not. Psalms 118, 6-9 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. 
It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Let me give you a little testimony. Uh, the first time I went to India, I went with Pastor Brian. And uh, I was excited to go. I was excited to go. But I'm going to be honest with you. I was also frightened. I was afraid. I, re- I was. I was afraid to go. I was apprehens- apprehensive about the trip. You know, I wanted to do well. But also, you know, I'm leaving my family. I'm getting on this plane and flying for hours in a hunk of metal. You know? And of course, that week before we left, you know, there was like two or three plane accidents on the news. You know, that helped. So, yeah, I was excited, but at the same time I was fearful. And so I'm praying about it. Lord, I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to be fearful. I want to do well. So in my devotion, I read Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I don't know, sometimes when you read the word of God, doesn't, doesn't a portion of it just leap off the page? It's almost like God highlights it, you know? Well, that's what this passage was to me. And that gave me the, the, the confidence that calm assurance that God was going to take care of Brian and myself as we went to India. So I took this verse and I wrote it on a 3 by 5 card and I stuck it in a place that nobody could find it on purpose because I didn't want somebody to take it and what is this doing here and toss it. So I stuck this card someplace where nobody could, could find it and I said, Lord, I know it might be silly of me to be fearful like this but I'm going to believe what this verse says in fact I believe what this verse says so much that I believe that I'm going to come back from the trip and I'm going to be able to remove this card from this wall and guess what I returned to remove that card off of that wall now, that's not, you know, laying out a fleece or anything. What that, to me, was a declaration of God, I'm trusting in what you showed me in your word. What wall? Work? No. The card that I put on the wall. Just some wall? Yeah, I'm not saying where I put it. Okay. It was a secret place, exactly. It was a place that I only know of. That was just between me and God. Yeah, there you go. Just between me and God. Again, nothing magical and mystical about the card, but I nailed that to the wall as a declaration that, God, I'm trusting in what you showed me. This is what I'm going on. And it was a great trip. And let me tell you something. I am so glad I found that verse because if you guys have ever experienced traffic in India am I not right? I screamed like a little girl I was in the back seat of that car it was scary but God came through God comes through every time every time 
Now, does this mean that we're not going to experience hardship or loss or bad stuff in our lifetime? Of course it doesn't. We're not immune to that. We're not exempt from that. This doesn't exclude us from, you know, hard times. Because hard times are going to happen. We live in a sin-cursed world. We're surrounded by sinful people, whether they're believers or not. This is a mess. We live in a mess. We are a mess. But we have a God we can trust in. We have a God we can trust in. You know, all those men and women in the Bible, if you read their lives, you know, we look at them as we, we call them heroes of the faith, and, you know, we look at them as examples. Have you ever really checked their lives out? Have you ever carefully read about their lives? <clears throat> there wasn't a perfect one in the bunch. They all faced trials and tribulations. They all had their flaws and their faults. But you know the one thing they did have? They trusted in the Lord with all their hearts. That's the difference maker. That's the difference maker right there. What is it that uh, Hebrews said? In the book of Hebrews, trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. I love this part. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of all the earth, but yet they were victorious. What's that old hymn? Faith is the victory? Yep. Faith is the victory. No, we're gonna have we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have problems. First Peter one seven through nine says that the trial of your faith listen to this. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." What is it that the world uses as the standard of value or commerce? Gold. Gold. Right? Gold. Countries hoard it. People. They're always telling you, invest in gold. Gold. Our faith, in the eyes of our Father in Heaven is more precious than all the gold you can find in this galaxy. Faith is the commodity, the precious commodity of heaven. And just as the impurities are removed from that precious ore that contains the gold and the silver by putting it in the fire, that's what the afflictions and the trials and the bad reports from the doctor or the 
employer telling you're no longer employed. That's removing the impurities from our faith. Removing the impurities from our faith. Proverbs 17.3 says, The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. What we need to remember, and we always forget this, when we start feeling the heat, God is in control of the temperature. He's the one who controls the heat. You know this thing on the wall over here? I'm told not to touch it. I don't have the control over that. Somebody else does. Same thing with God. He controls the heat. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may may be able to bear it. God knows how much we can take. Some of us can take a lot of heat. (laughs) Some of us require a lot of heat. Some of us not so much. Some of us are a quick study, so it doesn't take a lot of heat. We learn our lesson really quick. Some of us are a little more stubborn. <clears throat> I know you guys have heard this. One day a man was walking among tradesmen who were busying their trade, and he happened upon a silversmith, who, um, a refiner of gold and silver, and he was sitting in front of this crucible, And the man asks the smith, he says, um, Why are you heating the metal at such a high temperature? And the refiner replied, Well, in order to remove the impurities off of the silver or the gold. When the impurities rise, I I remove the, the impurities. So I need the high heat to burn those impurities off. And then the man asked the refiner, but why do you sit there in front of the fire and, and watch it so closely? Why do you tend to it so closely? And the refiner replied, well, I have to watch the fire closely to keep the heat just right. Too little heat and the impurities will remain and too much heat and I could ruin the precious metal. So I'm always managing the heat, always watching the heat and then the man asked how do you know when the silver or the gold is at the right temperature and has become precious and is all the impurities are gone and the refiner says when I can see my reflection then I know that the purities are gone what is God's will for your life Romans 8, 28, 29. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. All things work together for good. So when you feel that heat rising, 
It's not pleasant, but it's for your good. Because what he's looking for is to see his reflection in your life. To see your reflection in his life. That was the burden for the Apostle Paul to the Galatian church. He said, my little children, Galatians 4.19, of whom I travail at birth again until Christ be formed in you. It's a process. Till Christ be formed in you. It depends on how much you trust God. Trust in God. I'm, I'm still learning that lesson. You know, um, Pastor Haskell was speaking to us yesterday, and I'm t- man, you are just you're preaching my lesson here. You know, that's exactly where I'm at. Now I don't know about the stage one, three, four, five. I think I'm on stage zero sometimes. But he's so right. You know, it's it's faith. Philippians 1.6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ that is one of my favorite verses and if you understood my temperament you would understand why that is my, one of my favorite verses you know what that tells me? fair enough he tells me he's not going to give up on me see I've given up on me I don't know how many times but he won't. I've got his promise. He's not going to give up on you either. Because you have his promise on that. Faith is essential in this process of conformity. Trusting in God is that, is, is, is that fundamental, I call it biblical value, that we all must instill into our minds and our hearts. We have to settle it. Come what may, I'm going to trust in God. Ugh, ran out of time. Can one say that trusting in the Lord is a biblical value? Yeah, short answer is yes. i got 15 pages about answering that question. But yeah, the short answer is yes, and we'll cover that next time we get together. It is the, it is the most fundamental of all the biblical values, because if you stop and think about it, everything is built on trusting in the Lord. It really is. It really is. How did you get saved? Yeah, you trust in what he said about you, your condition, where you were headed. You trusted in him, what he said about how you can, how, you know, what he supplied, what he, what he provided for you. Yeah, it starts with that. And then it goes on from that. What does Colossians say? As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, so... How did you receive Jesus? By faith. So how do you walk with Jesus? by faith. Very fundamental. Most fundamental value of all. So we're going to stop right there. Any questions or comments? Alright. If not, Mr. Kenley Jones, would you close this out in prayer, sir? Lord, we want to thank you for this day that we have to come to your house and learn about you and the ways of letting us learn. Just be as we go through our service, we can 
listen to the speaker and uh, get a message from his word. Uh, be with those that are sick, those that are hurting. Help them get well by your will. Thank you for all the many blessings you've given us. Amen. Amen.